0: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the second season of the Talking Toro podcast. Apologies in advance for uh, my voice sounding like this. This is the consequence of having a sore throat and then deciding to sing karaoke and drinking beer at a wedding. Uh, And that was the reason why I was unable to watch Torino's uh, 2-2 draw against Empoli on Saturday. Uh, That and obviously the uh, UK TV blackout rules for uh, football matches that uh, cross over into that 3pm slot, so unfortunately Peter was unable to watch it as well, but would have seen a little bit more of the game than myself,
1: so Peter, was that a point earned or two points dropped? Yeah, come to Talking Toro for real insight into the Empoli game, What <laughs> which neither of us watched, but I, I have watched the extended highlights and I've got to say... It probably would have been a very stressful game to watch, probably frustrating for 70 minutes because uh, it looked like Torino didn't really turn up and then probably quite tense the last 20 minutes, quite exciting. Um, is it, I think as a lot of people said, it, it's a game we could have lost and should have won. I think points probably fair. I mean, I was aware of the chance Maranch- when I saw that Maranchuk had hit the post in injury time, I thought, Oh, typical typical Toro, but when I looked at the chance back, he couldn't have done much more with it. It was a very instinctive finish. It was unlucky, um, but it's not one of those that you could relive necessarily. Um, I think if he'd had that chance again, he'd probably do the same thing with it. Um, yeah, he, it was yeah probably a bit of a failed um, opportunity for a few of the players. Brian Baie made his debut, long-awaited mm-hmm. league debut um another start for radonjic and uh, a second start in a row for dembisek um and then Carol Linetti coming in as well midfield to well to give sasa lukic a rest ahead of his um, <laughs> ahead of his medicals in fulham or at fulham um but yeah i think those four, four players who were kind of rotated in didn't really um didn't really impress and then the four who came on, including Lukic, helped turn the game um a little bit. And yeah, Torino looked for once under Yurich kind of um reacted to the game and looked to have yeah looked to have kind of played very well in the last 20 minutes and, and if any team was going to win it at that point it would have been us. Um from what I could tell it continues a long sequence of conceding a goal to a team who'd done absolutely nothing to warrant scoring. And yeah, Luperto. I mean, if, yeah. If, when I saw we conceded to Luperto, he's, he's just one of those players. He rem- it reminds me of um, the defender always disliked at Kiev on Fiorentina. Dinelli, all he ever did was do tactical fouls on on the halfway line, and Luperto is one of them. Um, oh, so, I, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: There's, um, there's a player who I think has been at Palermo and Genoa. It's maybe sort of. Breaks the mould for this. Uh, Eduardo Golden yeah. Um He and breaks the mould in the fact that he was just a tactical foul uh, merchant. Just didn't really do anything else than foul Bellotti. I have early, early mentioned for you there. Um, didn't really do anything else other than just fouls. But actually looked like he was a really handsome chap. Whereas usually this defender, you, you sort of expect him to be sort of like a an older professional who's just literally got sort of broken nose, like not the best looking fella. And just in the team just to sort of... Rough people up, whereas Golden Eagle just look, looks like, looked like a lovely chap, but
1: just didn't play football to save his life. He would get sent off by the time, um, yeah, by the time he could get an elbow in the face, I guess. But yeah, Golden Eagle's good. We always threatened to sign him as well. He was always one of those where last day of the transfer window, oh, dear, we've been linked with Golden Eagle. Uh, thankfully, that will never happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, our record at, at Empoli, as we know, is not good to get a point. They, I'd actually weirdly seen quite a lot of their previous two games against Samp and Inter. I thought against Samp they were quite lucky to win. Um, And against Inter, they got the win. I wouldn't say it was undeserved, but they were playing against 10 men for uh, a lot of that game. I just felt... Yeah, I just felt the look might... Well, look, it might desert them a little bit. And I wasn't... Even at 2-0 down, I wasn't completely... I mean, it's a bit illogical to say as so I wasn't watching the game, but I still felt that like Torino might get back in the game. And then once we once we got one, then um, the momentum would be with us. Um, and even the second goal, Empoli scored through Mara. I mean, he celebrated it like he'd scored a worldie. Uh, it was quite I, funny. Was I always quite think, funny he, I always think yeah. he
0: plays well against Torino as well. I just have that feeling.
1: Yeah, he's n- never one of those players. But there was a nice bit at the end of the game where, he was talking to Shears and Shears basically explained that you mate your goal got a massive deflection. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're not gonna be winning goal of the month. But yeah, there was a nice little sometimes they don't always stay on to show you the kind of post game stuff, which sometimes think, is quite interesting. And I've
0: got a got a feeling, might like, leave myself being quite stupid, but I've got a feeling they might be ex teammates at Ajax. I think Marin signed from Ajax to Calliury and obviously Shares is who um Torino signed. To be them from IX, so that maybe makes a little bit more sense as to why they uh, were maybe laughing and joking at the end of the game.
1: Good knowledge, Robert. You've yeah. really, uh, so you really might come not, prepared this might, week.
0: Might not have watched the uh, might not watch the Empoli game, but if you want to know ex-IX uh, players, I'm I'm your man.
1: Yeah, but the, the Empoli game as well. The highlights I watched the uh, highlights package it was probably about 45 minutes long, but the way the highlights is done is they the last 15 minutes, which were really gripping, got about four minutes coverage and there was loads of the first half of like foul throws and um, but it did give me time to admire the beautiful stadium in Empoli which I think got voted worst fan experience in Europe a few seasons ago and it is just I just kind of sat there looking at this stadium and it's like it is so random it's like someone's opened a, a box which has got loads of different Opponent parts of a stadium and just put them in random places because they've got these sabutio, empty sabutio stands behind the goal position at quite weird angles. Um, they've got like a municipal sports day that seems to be going on in the corner behind one of the goals, but uh, it's there's a hell of there's a random tree, you know, random load of uh, trees in one corner. And then the Empoli fans were they'd obviously put the Empoli ultras, oh, what they kind of group of singing fans, and they're quite a random place in the stadium as well. Which obviously worked for television because you could see them visually. It was you quite know, interesting because I noticed I noticed quite a few Torino fans peppered in there as well. But it is, it's not a Serie A stadium, that is it. It is, um, it's a very strange place. You didn't, you didn't seem convinced there that Empoli have ultras there, did you? No, I used the term, um, <laughs> <laughs> I used the term gently, um, yeah. I,
0: it's, funny. enough, not a, not a stadium I've been to, but a fellow Tuscan club I have been to, not to watch Torino, unfortunately, but uh Siena's old stadium? Yeah. basically a very similar setup, it was almost like they, they had a very small stadium which was never going to meet the capacity for Serie A, so they had to get temporary stands and I, I sat in one of the temporary stands and pff, I wasn't convinced uh, that I was going to make it, make it like back down the stairs after the game. To be honest, because it did look like something that could uh, fall apart at any second. But it's um, yeah, not not one
1: to add to the um, Italian football bucket list. I don't think
0: the, uh, the Castellani.
1: No, no, it, 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 indeed not, indeed not. But, um, but yeah, just... it's, I mean, it's not it's not the only stadium in Serie, A which yeah, kind of kind of needs. Locking down and rebuilding, but, but
0: just uh, yeah, just totally agree with that. But yeah, just a couple of points for the game, just from the the brief highlights that I managed to see. Just in in terms of following the game whilst at a wedding, um, I got the notification that it was funny actually because uh, the ceremony was just about to start, and because I was I was an usher and my fiance was the other side of the room, she sort of sort of caught eyes with me, um, and she sort of like thought that something was wrong so she texted me and was like you look up that at Torino losing and I was like at this stage it was only 0-0. Uh, I was obviously obviously the, the, the emotion of the wedding was just getting hold of me but um, yeah we we were out to take the photos where I got the notification of the 1-0 and the 2-0 and then by the time we'd finished I'd just got the 2-1 notification I was walking back to the bar area and got the 2-2 and was like Am I am I seeing it was pretty it would be in a January wedding and being outside for photos wasn't ideal. So I was thinking maybe I was hallucinating that the cold had sort of warped my my phone and just sort of duplicated the same notification. But yeah, Torino scoring twice in uh, two minutes is is a, a nice feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean the... Yeah, there were quite a few chances in that second half. Obviously Richie seemed he did a pre match press conference where he he did the classic. I won't. I won't. If I score, I won't celebrate. But he did seem very intent on scoring. This is a player who, since he's been at Torino, has barely had an effort on goal. He's been yeah. obviously playing quite deep, but he hit the post. Um, had one quite well saved, and and scored a goal as well. a Kind of real poacher's finish. And then um, yeah, Tony Sanabria, who no longer scores at home, but I think his shot got a bit of a deflection as well. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty pretty, pretty good goal from him. But if you think, I, I'm pretty sure in saying that
0: his first goal for Torino was uh, outside the area against Crotone. Yeah. And then I don't think he's then proceeded to ever shoot outside the area again. Um, but yeah, look what happens. He does it again. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a very good finish. I think Tony it, it gets a, a little bit of stick on this podcast. And I, I think he's definitely out of form. Definitely think maybe there's a psychological thing when we play in, in, at home. But in a. In a weird way, actually, him scoring now and and playing so well in Florence the the previous week probably going to be a detrimental thing to to our hopes of of signing a striker, which we'll get onto later. But um, I, I think he's definitely, I would say, Sanabria is a very good squad player. He's he, not somebody to have as your main striker, but somebody to come on, hold the ball up. I think he's actually quite good at that, despite not being the biggest the biggest of, of players. Um, and then he does have a, a moment of magic. He's he's okay in the air, despite missing quite a few chances. And they like see two-footed can finish on his left and right foot. Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a very good goal. And uh, I felt I feel like he does need a couple of those moments. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. he would be one of his players who, if he scores a couple of goals it, like simultaneously, will go on a run and score sort of seven then or eight before the end of the season. It's just getting that consistency, and it will be interesting to see whether whether Europe sticks with him or, or goes for goes for Saki in the cup, given how, how well second had done in the league game with uh, Fiorentina.
1: Yeah, the problem with all our forward options is they're all capable of um, scoring a goal, doing a good job, and just not capable of doing it on a consistent basis and you can't rely on them. I think Sanabria you generally can rely on to give you a certain type of performance. Um Whereas Sec, sec still very raw in terms of playing in that position. Um, and Palegri, we just, you, your your main worry is, is he going to get through that? You're never really going to get 90 minutes from him anyway. So, um, yeah, but with seven, we're recording this seven hours before the close of the transfer window. And in the month of January, I don't really think Torino been linked with too many strikers. So, um, I have this I have the feeling we will be seeing out the season with Pellegrini and snabrier strikers and if those are famous last words then all the better you'll be happy to be proved wrong there um, I will do I mean I don't yeah in terms of, in terms of Empoli it's a I don't think it's a bad point I think there's a cluster of teams now we're in um around us there's a kind of Bologna Zudanese, Empoli's um uh, Fiorentinas as well. I think, yeah, we've got a. In we're in a kind of position where we could very, very easily, with a few good results, uh, be in seventh and in be in a position where we're kind of lower mid table. Um, so it's, yeah, it kind of. I guess it's a little league within the league at the moment. Um, but it's, it's it's a good point. Uh, getting into a, a pretty big week, and also with the distractions of the the, the transfer window as well, as there are a few players. Well, certainly one player who we will come on to who featured in that match and did well in that match who's 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 moving on so it's kind of always it's not ideal really to be the kind of the, the transfer window even in the preparations for the Coppa Italia game I think it's a a bit of a, a bit of a needless distraction. But I don't yeah, I don't really have too much more to say on Empoli. and if you do or Yeah, just we kind of... just one last just one
0: last point I was gonna say is like, I'm not quite sure if Fiorentina last week were, were to, especially in Florence was a bogey team. And I suppose the the Tuscan I'm not I hesitate to say rivals. I don't think it's a rivalry, but Tuscan neighbours, um probably almost the opposite of a a bogey team when you realise that Torino's last five goals after the 80th minute, were all scored against Empoli. Uh, if you sort of, and although Torino only won one of those three matches in which those goals have been scored, they, they didn't lose, lose any of them. So obviously, Belotti scoring a, a few late goals at the end of last season, Lukic's uh, goal, possibly the worst goal in Torino history, uh, back in October, and then um, and then yeah, Richie and Sanabria on. On Saturday, but yeah, just a strange stat probably highlights how few goals Torino score after the eightieth minute that they but
1: the fact that they've just all come against the same club um yeah it's, it, it, it and why would it they could have easily been a, if Marancho had scored that could have been six but yeah what's that like an eight month period to we've only scored five goals after the eightieth minute is uh is pretty poor and yeah it just just kind of underlines what 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 we say about Torino kind of um falling back into old habits and matches. But yeah, it's a it was a pretty pretty interesting stat. Um are we ready to kind of talk about the dying embers of the Calcio Mercato? Yeah, let's let's
0: let's go for it. Like you say, there's a there's a few hours left so we could embarrass ourselves when we when we talk about how that play is definitely not coming. I think maybe we should just edit some like names in or here or something and just do some reactions. Ah oh, I can't believe that Victor Osserman decided to leave Napoli and sign for Torino for that was a shock, wasn't it, Peter? You can edit that out.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you're looking. St- I think you're starting to look a bit like a Dennis Pratt. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, as it stands, Torino have finally signed Ivan Illich from Verona, which technically is a loan with a, um, with, a with kind of mandatory buyout clause in the summer quite protracted the really interesting thing for me and that transfer a couple of interesting things one is that Gazzetta dello sport did not report it until it was signed and sealed not a single rumor or line and i just find that very interesting the kind of hold that Ur- Ur- urbano cara has over that newspaper is is why why does why does the Gazetta never engage in rumors on torino it's it's it's, it's very odd it's it is um but yeah, that, that deal was early announced yesterday on on Gazetta. Um, I guess, to, yeah. Sure, sorry, Peter, Just going
0: on to that point, I think that almost makes more sense though, because, I, I and in a way, I, given the way that like re, like you've got the the opposite. If you look at a Sport, and they'll literally throw a different player's name out every every day. The chance of of them happening are, are sort of sort of very minute. So I prefer actually. Basically, just go into pick play like only announce deals when they're done. And I understand obviously Kyrie's got the, the vested interest in Gazeta, but if they were sort of naming players who we're linked with or interested in and then they don't happen, that sort of gets the fan base excited and thinking, oh, okay, this is definitely happening. And it doesn't, it, it, I don't think there's any positive of them sort of engaging in this sort of speculation. Like, I don't really, if you just, I mean, look at. I always used to be a massive fan of transfer deadline day. I liked the whole the whole sort of circus around it, so to speak. But now, like, it, you've got people who are who made careers out of basically just announcing transfers. Like, the the, the transfer window will end tomorrow or, or this, this evening, and there'll be accounts who will be starting just bringing up rumours for for the summer straight away. Like a transfer which can't happen for four or five months, I just think the the exciting nature of it is, is just totally is lost on me, and I, I much prefer just commenting on players when they sign, um, or like look on the verge of signing and then and then deal with that because otherwise you're just going to get disappointed in these players who aren't who are linked but just never sign.
1: Yeah, I think the most exciting thing is is when a deal is just when a you hear a name of a player and a deal gets done very quickly. Yeah, like out, um, totally but, out, totally out of but, nowhere. And I don't disagree with you, but I think the Gazzetta thing is still weird because I- the Illich, Illich, uh, Uric was commented on it on his press conference preemptively. So it was out there. Mm-hmm. It was quite a public bid. Um, and to, to not mention it at all, it all, just it does feel very strange. And it is, it's just, will it, in terms of Torino, Gazzetta only cover things when they sign it and sealed, probably like you said, to avoid kind of, um, saving face if something th- doesn't happen. But, but Illich came in um, and I guess uh, the other thing is we beat Marseille to his signature because it was quite an interesting battle because Marseille coached by Igor Tudor who had Illich last season and Torino by Juric who'd had Illich at Verona the season before. Um, so he had a choice between two coaches who know him very well, two different leagues. Um, two different two different cities, yeah, I mean Marseille uh, probably guarantee of a certain level of European football as well, Um, but it's quite interesting he chose Torino for his football development Uh, so it was quite a big big coup and I think part of the reason the deal took a while, which we'll talk about was the Torino potentially trying to sign Kien from Verona as well but I think, yeah, kind of typical Torino style, we've spent a lot of money on a Serbian midfielder and at the same time, we've lost another Serbian midfielder who we probably should have had down to a longer contract to get. Yeah, it, so yeah, it kind of we've not strengthened short term by signing Ilic over Lukic because Ilic is going to take a while to get up to speed, and we're still short of numbers in midfield. So it's kind of yeah, it's tin- it's tinged with um, tinged with a bit of disappointment as well, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think. The the frustrating thing is that once Lukic made it quite clear that he wasn't going to sign a, a new contract, this, this transfer does make sense. Um in Lukic to Fulham that is and if we've maybe the ideal situation would be to have him for a little bit longer, especially whilst we give Illich time to bed in and then almost have Lukic as a as a substitute and he can sort of come on and, and be the sort of rotation option. But if we did that we'd probably get half the amount of money. In the summer, uh, trying to sign a player with only a year left on his contract, as it is, I think, I think it's probably just maybe lessons to learn from that we got to the stage with Lukic where he sort of quite actively wanted to leave the club. Because everything, if you if you look sort of in August when he was he was named captain, everything seemed quite quite happy. He seemed to be sort of happy with the club and and content at. at at being the captain and then obviously came out of nowhere, his sort of failure to turn up to training ahead of the Monza game. And and everything sort of stemmed from there. I think they expected an improved contract, but the reality is Torino aren't able to compete with the wages that that Fulham are. And I mean, the the fact that there was a little bit of sort of speculation that, that, that Lukic wasn't massively convinced on Fulham, despite the fact he probably doubled his wages... Probably goes to show the fact that if if the money is there, I think Torino and Serie a are a really exciting proposition, especially now that sort of got Illich and and Ritchie, probably two of the most highly rated young players in in European football. That's a really good starting point for for players to sort of come into this squad. Uh, I think Lukic. I don't know. It will be interesting to see how he does in England. Um, I think it's maybe. The frustration on my part is: could we have could we have arranged to sort of sorted that contract in the summer, and maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe we could have signed a Lich as well, but still have still have Luke around, and um, and then that would be three really exciting midfield players to have.
1: Yeah, I think when a player comes down to eighteen months in their contract, it starts getting quite difficult. Because um, sometimes it's for as a player it's quite difficult to leave a club if you're tied down to a long you look at a lot of the players Lazio I've had and I've managed to keep for a long time because they've always been very intelligent with the contractual situation. Uh Lukic Yeah, I mean it was I think the writing was on the wall in the summer when um he he didn't show up for the Monza game. I think he at that moment a lot of the fan base have kind of um I don't think that relationship was ever going to be very easily rep- uh, repaired. Although I don't think he's been booed at the stadium or anything like that, but I, but I think it it wasn't it wasn't a great thing to do. Um, I, d- I d- hadn't realised. I thought his contract was expiring this summer, not next summer. And I think the reason Juric reports suggest Juric is quite angry after the Empoli game because Juric effectively admitted in his press conference that Illich would be a replacement for Lukic, but I think he was hoping for. Uh, in the summer that Lukic might go, and actually think, do you think the the fee ten million euros? Do you not think we could have got that in the summer, even with twelve twelve months left on his contract from a Premier League club? I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. It's not a bad fee for Lukic. We might talk. We're going to talk a bit more about Lukic's Torino career. I guess in, in part two, but I don't think it's a bad. I mean, what's if Lukic was under a five year contract at Torino? I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't expect much more than fifteen million for him anyway. He's not—he's a steady player.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no. I think I—I I think ten million is probably about. I think there's a potential for it to go up to about twelve million euros. So, I think it's probably about right. I think in the summer, you maybe you're looking at a little bit less. I reckon you're probably looking. Say it's what ten million euros plus a potential of two million euros. I think you're looking at. If it was in the summer, it'd be the other way around. It maybe eight million euros straight up with a potential of another two. So for the sake of two million. 2 million euros, I can understand Juric's frustration in, in us not keeping in him until the summer at least, but I think on Lukic's side I think in the summer when he went on strike and there was talk of, of Roma and and maybe some, but no disrespect to Fulham, but maybe some high profile Premier League clubs being interested in him, I don't think he played particularly well at the World Cup and that's possibly been a, a hindrance for him and had he had uh, and and Serbia as a whole probably underwhelmed, but I think had had that tournament gone a little bit better for them, I think maybe he'd be looking. And I know Fulham are in the top ten before Fulham fans that shout at me, but I, I this is a newly promoted side, and this probably isn't the 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 move that he would have envisaged when back in back in August when he decided not to not to show up for the for the Monza game. Uh, again, I yeah, we'll get we'll get onto it later. But I, I wish him well. It'd be interesting to see how he adapts to the to the Premier League. I think he's got the tools to do so. I think he's adapted, depending on whichever like Torino coach he has. He's he's almost changed as and when those players, uh, as and when he's been coached by different different coaches. who have got different ways they want to play. Uh, so yeah, I think I think he I think, I think he'll do well in the Premier League, and hopefully Torino have been a bit wise and put on a sell fee in case he does have a. Have a good six months and uh, Chelsea come in with a hundred million euro and hundred million pound bid for him.
1: Yeah, that would that would be far too sensible from <laughs> from Torino's point of view, but yeah, we'll talk a bit. Our feature in part two is going to lead us to talk about Lukic a bit anyway, so I'm just going to round up um, the other bits of transfers we know about. So, uh, Simone Edera, um, has left, I think he's left or he's leaving, um. Yeah, just very quickly on him. I, I did think at one point he was going to be a player with with uh, huge potential. Um, he kind of emerged under Mihailovic and then never, for whatever reason, and injury has been part of that. But a bit like Paragini, a bit like Amaro, he's just one of those players from the from the youth team who, yeah, m- maybe maybe des- destined to be a Serie B level. Uh, Matthew Garbutt. Uh, just, uh, sorry, just, just quickly, yeah. on editor. I think the, the only
0: surprising thing there is the fact he's had to, to drop down to Serie C, Liga Pro. Um, I think, yeah, I know he's I know he struggled with injuries over the last sort of year or so, but you'd think there's still enough potential there for him to have to have picked up a club and maybe in the bottom half of Serie B. But yeah, fair play for him to to go out. He's still twenty six, still quite young, twenty six. I thought he was younger than that, to be honest. But uh, yeah, hopefully an opportunity to sort of rebuild his
1: career a little. Yeah, I mean, he's had a long time with with no football. Um, so just very quickly, we wanted a fullback. I don't think we're going to get a fullback. We wanted a striker. I don't think we're going to get a striker because, um, yeah, pretty much everyone we've we've linked with has, has gone somewhere and we've not been linked with that many players. Uh, Dennis Pryor, I do wonder, did wonder whether there's a little bit of movement at Leicester. Um, but I've just not seen anything on that. So maybe maybe it'll be, be a surprise thing that happens late on. There, but There was a little bit of talk about, um,
0: I think, over the weekends that Leicester were making a bid of a big bid for Pierce with, with Priat attached as part of that. But I don't think anything's really come with that. And I don't think Torino would be interested in selling them now. I think if they're waiting in the summer, they're probably going to get a little bit more. I, I think the Priat one is frustrating, but given I think he's, Started two games recently for Leicester and not even made it to half time in both of them coming off injured. I can sort of understand Torino's look- reluctance given his injury record in sort of paying a big fee. I think we probably
1: would have always just preferred only have gone in for that if it was a loan deal. Um, and last one, you tell us all about Andrew Gravion who's coming well, from Ross.
0: Well, I can't I can't even remember who I signed him for, but I've signed this player on Football Manager before because he was, um, yeah, he uh, had good stats whilst he was uh, at Enter. Uh, I don't know anything about him
1: other than that, but um, I, I Except don't. Except his, his club team have done a lot better without him this season. Yeah, but uh, who, who knows? Maybe maybe the other centre backs are just
0: really good as well. Maybe they have just got so many great centre backs. But no, I don't hate it. We've got we've got Gigi injured. We've got um, Zima injured. A little bit of depth there, and yeah, similar maybe to Gigi. Gigi came originally on loan, wasn't really massively heralded as as being a great player, and as as been a really useful squad player. So yeah, if Scrivellone can can have similar impacts, then yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm here for it.
1: There we go. Well, let's let's before we talk copper, let's have a bit of a a new feature time this this week, combining lots of heroes and villains. Um, and let's play in a little little bit of derby nostalgia, shall we? In corsa di la battuta con il destro immobile netto si sblocca il derby della mole prima rete in carriera di Leicht alla Juve dal peso specifico immenso Torino uno Juve zero allo Stadium traiettoria perfetta che va a baciare la parte inferiore della traversa e va a finire in rete Welcome back that was a sweet sound of uh, Adam Leicht's free kick against uh, Juventus which very nearly earned as a rare derby win Um, yeah, the reason we've got a bit of Adam Leitch up is not necessarily cuz he's going to be this week's hero or villain. We've got a bit of a new concept um this week which is the Balkans and uh stay with us, it might be <laughs> worth it. Um but yeah, we thought we'd look at a kind of um an occasional look at different parts of the world and where Torino have signed players from and maybe maybe do a uh, some kind of dream 11 or um alternative 11. So, um yeah, and I guess this is a little bit inspired by Torino Slavia or Torino Sick, whatever we want to call them at the moment. But uh, we have certainly, yeah, in recent seasons had a lot of players and coaches from the Balkan region. So we've effectively looked at um, the f- following countries, so Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Macedonia, uh, Republic of North Macedonia, Montenegro, Serbia, Slovenia, Romania, Bulgaria, Albania, um, and just taken an them as a, as a group of Balkan countries and yeah, we've got a list of players here, which may or may not be complete, but um, we'll find out anyway in due course. And yeah, Robert, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my living at you and you've got this, you've got the same list as well. So, and then you can, um, you can argue your corner and some of the times are just being provocative, but goalkeepers, um, let's call it slim picking, shall we? Um, uh, because we, I think, have... I think, I think the
0: whole, uh, defense and um, goalkeeper option you could call slim pickings.
1: Well, w- wait till you get to the forward line. <laughs> um, yeah, goalkeepers, we've had a lot of, let's say, backup goalkeepers. So we've, we've had, uh, Avramov from Serbia who played no games. Um, Ujikani who plays for Kosovo. Am I right or? Kosovo, Albania, I can't remember which one of the ones he represents nationally and then Berisha who I believe plays for Albania, our current backup and then the other two would be one is very tenuous, one is uh, Silvano Martina who um, was a goalkeeper for Torino in the 1980s I think he's become quite a successful agent um, he was born in the old Yugoslavia so I just put him in as a little, to be a little bit provocative and then we've got big Vanya MS from Serbia. Uh I was gonna throw in Silvano Martina just to be just to be a bit of a wind up merchant, but I didn't actually see him play. Um and I think we're gonna have to go unless we want to go down the route that the ideal Torino Balkan eleven will have a reserve um goalkeeper from the region. I think we've got to go with Vanya, haven't we?
0: Yeah, I think I think we have got to although it has allowed me to just mention something that I did see today. I'm not sure whether it's gonna um pay whether it's gonna happen, but I did see that Berisha had been linked to Southampton. Um, oh my goodness me. So yeah, the the dream Did you
1: just did you just mention that just to get Southampton in? Uh, well, I think it's relevant though, isn't it? If it's transfer deadline day and
0: there's activity between the, the two clubs. Obviously that's the that's the player play we only, really want to It's not
1: activity happen. if you've made it up.
0: No, so, so uh, Gianluca Di is reporting it. He's uh, picking the knife. No. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I mean, Torino so we have got three goalkeepers. So why would we want another one?
1: That that would be great if. Bruce but maybe
0: that. maybe we go try and play like more than one goalkeeper at a time, and that's our only chance of staying yeah. up.
1: Well, indeed. Um, all right. So Vanu and goal, and as my learned friend said, defenders are slim pickings. It's quite <laughs> weird. You, th- I thought Torino would have had a, like a Serbian hard nut at some point, but no. So I only make it five defenders. Um Robert Yani, uh got a guess Croatian left back legend, uh, Nikola Maksimovic, who would be the one with most appearances, and I think it's probably worth a little bit of a discussion. Um Vedi Muzic from Bosnia, uh who was David Nikola's lookalike in our promotion season. <laughs> I'm sure he ever saw them on the same pitch together. Then it may have just been David Nicola trying, trying to earn a, a second wage. Um, Marco Vezovic from Montenegro, who, uh, yeah, uh, we'll come on to and Merg, and then we've got our friend Mergin Volvoda. And again, Robert, I was going to be massively provocative here because I didn't want to put Mergin Volvoda in this team because he's annoyed me over the last few weeks. Um, actually, yeah, Voivoda's probably. Closing in on Maximofi- Maximovic's appearance record. But yeah, my back four, which really wouldn't work on so many levels, but I have gone for Vezovic at right back, because I think he did have quite a good game against England once for Montenegro. And I think he's one of those players Ventura didn't give a fair crack to. Um, Muzic at left back, who had a pretty steady career. Um, and then I've got Maximovic, and I've converted Robert Yani into a, a left-sided centre-back. But I think you're going to talk me out of this. But anyway, that's where I'm going. And the other thing I want to talk about is Nikola Maksimovic, who looked like a Rolls-Royce for centre-half for a while. Um, quite elegant, big, strong, very injury-prone though, but was never quite as good as he thought he was, was he?
0: He was very good for Torino. I think he's one of those players and maybe a lesson for, for Lukic to learn. Um, that a lot I can't think of many players who've left Torino and then gone on to do really well. Um, Damian did okay, a little bit United, but sort of then had to sort of rebuild his career at Parma and then now Inter. Um, yeah, Dambrosia would be one. Yeah, that's, no, did. that's a very good shot actually. D'Ambrosio's a, a good shot but yeah, I think Mason struggled at, at Napoli. He, but he, yeah, I think it, if he'd not left, it I think he left in sort of. Not the best. He wanted to leave though, well. didn't he? And we got a very, yeah, good, fee got a very good fee for him, yeah. One probably why Cairo's best sort of negotiations that probably why um his relationship with De Laurentis isn't the best to this day. But no, I think he was I think at his peak and probably was his Torino spell, he was he was at his peak. He was a very good defender. And yeah, like you say, tall, but so decent in the air, but also like very very good technically, could play, could play up from the back and really fit in with what Ventura was was wanting to do that season that we qualified for Europe. Um, just a couple of things about your team, because I've I've gone slightly different, um, because I've gone for a back three, um, which also isn't isn't the best. But open. Well, um, open,
1: open to comment.
0: Uh firstly we d- we did realise quite late on that we'd we missed out centre back who I'm sure everyone um will rejoice us um reminding you all love. Can I? Am I allowed to say a, a Peter lookalike in
1: uh, Ireland? Yeti? <laughs> you can say it, but I might be turning the pod off. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> Not all bald men look the same, Robert. <laughs> he, he does have a
0: beard as well. As, as do okay. you, as do you. But um, yeah, apologies for that. Not the best. uh <laughs> what I've just seen. <laughs> I think he's going to become. A, he plays for Pordenone, so he's going to be a teammate of Simone Adera. <laughs> Um, but yeah no probably one of the worst um, Albanian international born in Switzerland hence why we missed him uh, originally but yeah probably one of the worst players to play play for Torino so yeah he he doesn't even make this team do you
1: know what Joe Hart said nickname for him was I I can imagine it's not something Arlen for fuck's sake (laughs) I still remember him screaming at him Uh, after that own goal against Pescara but
0: it was was his back pass as well wasn't it in uh, in the rain in Empoli as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's, trying, he's absolutely tipping it down the rain and he's trying a 40-yard
1: bat pass. Um, I, I mean, t- tell me the rest of your... I mean, the only thing I'm about to say about Nikola Maksimovic, he is playing for the same club as uh, Simone Zaza now. <laughs> free, agent, free agent FC. But yeah, so what's your so, backstory? Don't be
0: telling this, though, so, because once the transfer with their slab shit and we see new players, we'll be signing Zaza and Maksimovic. Mm. Um so yeah, I've gone for a back three. Maximovich, uh, Maximovich is in sort of the centre, um, and then Voivoda and Yani. Uh, I'm just going to have to mention my Yani story. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before. I've got a feeling I could have, but obviously, just to make things more confusing, that I'm a Torino fan who also supports Southampton, but lived the majority of my life in Coventry. Yani um, did have a a um, very very short spell at Coventry where he never played any games because he was at uh, Real Betis um, who wouldn't sell him directly to Real Madrid so Coventry got involved uh, Betis sold him to Coventry and then the next day Coventry sold him to Real Madrid um, which again no no people were harmed in this story apart from Betis I suppose um, apart from the fact that I was in Coventry Town Centre and saw uh, a lad walking around with a brand new Coventry shirt with Yanni on the back um, don't think he enjoys reading his uh, Coventry and Telegraph the next day when he realised that he'd been signed on to Real Madrid the, literally hours later. Um, but yeah, oh, and, he, and obviously at that start, time I never realised that Jani had played for, played for Torino and actually made the move to Juventus from Soro. From
1: yeah, Jani yeah, yeah, I think underwhelmed at Torino a bit. He was very good left wing back in that kind of first first major Croatian team. Um, but yeah, he was... Not not always even a first team starter in that season, um, but I think yeah, it, it's slim pickings in defense. I think I'm going to go well. Yeah, I mean, we may we may we may move this around, but I think we both agree that maksimovic should be in there and Yani should be in there uh, if it's a flat back four. Um, I I'm going to say that music is in there as well. Just as a steady presence, I'm only going to give you give you the choice between um, Vojvoda and Vezovic. Bear in mind, this defense would actually have a uh, a Serbian, a Croatian, a Bosnian, and even now Montenegrin and Kosovan So, you know, representing. Yeah,
0: no, I like I like having a representative. Unfortunately, I, I don't remember seeing um, Vedin play too much, but I, I do quite like the sound of music. Um so I think he can go in the team.
1: Okay, so Vesovic or Vojvod, I'm leaving it to you. Give me a compelling reason why Vojvod is in there. Just because, other than the last six
0: months, he's—I um, think he's been quite a good player for Torino. I think he's him. I don't think he's really recovered from being hauled off after about thirty minutes against Roma. I think he's almost similar to. Uh, the Lukic, you'll get the feeling that he's agent and maybe he expected that after having such a good season last year, we'd get a new contracts And that's not quite thing, how things happen in Turin, at Torino. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not massively attached to Voivoda. I like having the representations. I'm happy to take him out. I think actually having your uh, four at the back probably fits a little bit better and saves um, two players playing at wing-back. You probably don't want to play at wing-back in my team.
1: Well, that does mean... Voivoda would be for Vezovic, so we we'd still have the problem of Jani and Music. So um, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Voivoda in, and we're gonna go Voivoda Maximovic, and then Robert Jani's punishment for going to Juventus is he's gonna play left centre back with Max the slow with slow old Maximovic, and then Muzic gets to play uh, on the left hand side. I'm it's glad my not, I'm it, glad it, my
0: terrible jokes didn't uh, <laughs> didn't mean that he didn't
1: get a place in the team. <laughs> But I don't think it's the defence which is going to do particularly well. It's going to need a lot of protection, put it that way. Um, midfielders. Um, yeah, it's a bit of an eclectic bunch. I was just... There's a little group of them, of mid-2010s forays that Torina have done into the region. So I think we can count three of them out already. But h- how much do you remember about Marco Bak- Bakic... Um then there was Sanjin Pridzic which I'm I, probably not saying correctly. I think I think Pridic had quite a good spell um over in France.
0: Um but yeah, I, I he was one of those players who I thought um there was potential there. He's currently at Strasbourg, has a spell at Rennes. Uh, Rennes. Sorry, my French pronunciation is terrible. Um but yeah, no, I don't I think he might have only played two games for us.
1: Yeah, and Bakic was quite young, made one appearance. Then we sold him to 2 million for Fu- to Fiorentina. And we thought, oh, we made a massive mistake here. And then he didn't do too much there. And then the other one I was going to rule out was Arma Goyak, who I love a Bosnian, who I probably a player who could could and should have done a bit better. It just came in that very bad Giampaolo season. He's not had a bad career, um, scored a goal at Parma. But I don't think he's threatening R11 unless you want to you 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 want no. to include him. No, I agree with him though. Okay. Uh, and then the other one, the two Romanian players are probably ruling out one, Paul Codrea, um, who's back in our ill fated promotion season which ended with the playoff against Perugia. He was a kind of steady register from, from memory and then Sergei Suchu, who Yeah, maybe one for another day, but he another one who looked to have he had a lot of injury problems, a lot of loans a lot of potential. he had been the three- with the Torino youth team, and then he scored this goal on a Friday night, didn't he? Yeah, against Sampdoria. And I think got injured he in finally. the final game. He got, yeah, didn't he? Do his knee in the same game, yeah. and then yeah, don't think we really saw him again. Um, yeah, he's is a bit of a tale of a. I think he's still playing. Is he's, he's still playing in Italy and still playing in the lower? It just seems to have changed teams every season, from what I can tell. Um. Yes. He's had quite a
0: quite a career. He's also played for Port as well. This is this is not not anymore, unfortunately. Cool. But yeah, this could be the the retirement home for Trino players.
1: Cool. So I think we're whittling it down to the quality now. Um, <laughs> quality so... being like okay. I'm not quite sure that's the best word you could describe okay. the field. You, I'm to gonna, uh, gonna start with the wingers. I think so. Alan Stefanovic, uh, born in Switzerland, played for Serbia. Uh Nikola Lazetic Serbia. The, Ser- uh, the Serbian Jack Grealish. Yeah, and and they've got, then they've got they got Josip Brekalo in there as well. Um and I do have I kind of have the likes of Lazic and Piazza in the in the forward areas, but you're welcome to bring them in um into the wide positions if you want. And then our friend from last week, Dayan... Lazarevic was completely wrong, is from Slovenia. And now, you know, one of my favourite all-time Torino players <laughs> i just completely forgotten about, it, but he is in contention as well. Um, and then if we look at <clears throat> kind of central midfielders, as he aforementioned, uh, Sasa Lukic. Um, we have one of the players I quite liked, actually, was Jasmine Kurtic, who had a very short spell for us. Um in the season we eventually got into the Europa League and then we tried to re-sign a million times but never got it over the line. And now he's turned into a mid-30s goal-scoring machine for Pauk with your good friend Omar el Um And then we have the likes of Mijin Basha. Um One player you don't think you'll remember, the other one would be Kronoslav Yurchicu, Um we effectively ended his career when he came from Dynamo Zagreb. He came in a late nineties relegation season and came as a player of a fairly decent reputation, played 14 times. And I think his career, I don't think he went on to do anything after that. So yeah. What's, what's getting you excited about midfield? Well,
0: I've got, um, obviously I I had three at the back in my team originally. So I was playing two wingers as, as backs. So they're delighted to hear We've moved to to a flat back four, um, and we've got. I, I've I'd like to have Lazatic and Brekalo as our wingers. I I, I quite Lazatic I don't have much memory of uh, because that was literally the first couple of seasons as being a Torino fan. But like I say, the the Grealish comparison would be that he um, was a tricky winger, didn't wear shin pads, and and had his socks just round his ankles. Um, and yeah, I. I don't even know whether I can remember maybe having impact in a couple of games. I think he probably had a better season in the in the promotion campaign. But uh, yeah, I always quite liked uh, the look of Lazatich. Uh Brekalo. It annoys me that he's in the team to be honest. So I'm Fiorentina. I'm no, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm open. To, I'm open to kicking Brekalo out of this team um, because he probably this team isn't going to qualify for the Champions League. So he, he's not going to like it, is he?
1: No, uh Nikola Lazatic two things about him. One, he was best buddies with uh, Roberto Stellone. Um that, that must they, be lot. why I liked him. Yeah, they both came both came from from Genoa. The thing I I saw quite a lot of Nikola Lazatic. Uh he never scored a goal for us. Um and he was very fast. Uh, tricky. But I I don't think he knew the he had to cross the ball before the white line. Uh <laughs> And yeah, he was just one of his plays. He just it was too fast for himself. He ran ran too fast with the ball. I think it's a toss up between him and Alan Stefanovic. And Alan Stefanovic, for me, was a bit of an enigma. He, um, in that promotion season where Ventura played four two four, we just, we had a hell of a lot of wide players, didn't we? And he rotated them all of the time, and none of them necessarily really stuck when we were in Serie A, but. I thought for a while, Alan Stefanovic, quite a talented player. Um, I think he arrived a reputation of not, yeah, not always kind of maybe being fully focused. Or um, and he didn't last very long in the Serie A season, under Ventura. And he's another one who's had a bit of a nomadic career. But I just think Alan Stefanovic's contribution to Torino was a bit more than Nikola Lazatic's. Yeah, but
0: he he had his. Um sucks and the in a conventional fashion. That's just... That's, that's not what this team needs. This team needs a little bit of rock and roll.
1: It needs a little bit of... Like, I think they're both hot. I think Stefanovic and Lazatic would just, both be hotheads. But... Who do you, So who's your other winger? So I my midfield would be Lazatic. I would have Brekolo, uh because I think you just... Yeah. I think the reputation for players in that part of the world are... Yeah, there's a lot of kind of creative maverick types. And I think... I think if our central midfielder... Well... Mine would probably be Lukic and Kurtic, although I always had a quite a soft spot for mid Basha. Basher. Um see I I've I've managed to fit the three in, given our okay. limited
0: options up front. Um, okay. So yeah. So I would be happy to take um, my friend Nicola out. Put Alan in and then Basher, Kurtic, Lukic. Kurtic scoring, um, in in the game we should have won in Florence before before last week scored a a lovely free kick in that game yeah
1: yeah for me I mean Lukic would be the player who's made most most appearances he's had had seven seasons I, I guess we said we'd talk a bit more about Lukic I think Lukic you should, like I, I think yeah sorry see my criticism would always with Lukic probably a little bit the end product in that fourteen goals and. 168 games. Um, bear in mind, he became penalty taker, a good penalty taker for some of that as well. Um, he was quite, quite a lot of inconsistency in the earlier seasons. I remember the last Torino game I went to see was against Inter, where it was quite a while ago now, and Lukic was a young player. And I remember some of the Italian friends I went with were just raving about him, about um, the way he kind of commanded the game and bossed the midfield. And then there'd be other times where a lot of games you just felt yeah you'd kind of go missing a little bit and i felt in those seasons where we struggled horribly um he didn't really do very well at all um but kind of over the last over the last two seasons' it's been a lot more consistent um but yeah I just I, I i i think we probably could have got a little bit more money for him but i think the contractual situation had an impact but i think i don't I think Lukic has to be in a team. For me, it'd be a toss-up between Kurtic, who had a very kind of quite a positive impact in a short spell, or Mijin Basha, who was a bit of a Alessandro Agatze. He wasn't quite as good as Alessandro Agatze, but it was that kind of dogged schemer in, and could play in a number of positions. He was just a very loyal soldier in that those Ventura years. So... uh for me, I think the midfield is Stefanovic, Lukic, Brekalo, and I'm gonna let you choose between Basher and Kurtic then. Oh
0: that is because harsh. I'm not
1: brave I'm not I'm not brave enough to make the decision, obviously.
0: That's harsh, but I think given that Kurtic would have only played probably half a season on loan, I think we gotta go for for Basher. Um I think just touching on Lukic again, and think he I think weirdly one of the other Spells that he had for Torino was actually under Jim Paolo when he played him as a, sort of like a number ten like a genuine number ten and he had a game against Genoa where he scored and then forced an Sassuolo own goal.
1: Sassuolo as well, yeah. Sassuolo away as well was
0: yeah. It? And and I, that always surprised me that he didn't play there more under Juric because I think he actually excels in that position. Obviously we had we had spells where we were playing Bebega there instead, or we were playing Riot there, we were playing Linetti there. Um yeah, which which was a little bit bizarre, but yeah, I think I think, and then if you look at how Lukic plays for, for Serbia, it's completely different. So it he is a very modern midfield player. He can play as, as sort of a six and eight and a ten. So that's really the way that that position is is developing. You don't really have players who can only play one role anymore. You you can have players who are versatile and can play depending on how what the what the coach sets them up. So yeah, I think I I agree. I think it it would be. This transfer is going to massively determined on how well Lukic does in England. Because if he does really, really well, then obviously we're going to think we've we've sold him a bit cheaply. And how well Illich and how quickly Illich can adapt to to, to Reno. But the fact that he's played in Italy before, played for Juric before, is hopefully going to mean that sort of transition period isn't going to be what it, what it might be had it been a, a player from a new league.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good point that Illich may well be very soon in this in this eleven. Um... All right, forward lines. This is quite interesting uh, because I'll categorize. I think in some of Torino's worst seasons ever, we've always had uh, a center forward from the Balkan regions. We've had, I don't think they've ever really worked out. So if you just uh, indulge me a little bit, Uh, Sasa Biljanovic, who Some reason in my head, he played. I always have a feeling he played for Aston Villa, and I'm not getting confused with Sasa Milosevic either. But I always have a feeling he played in England, but he didn't. But we had him for one of the Novellino seasons, I believe. Twenty two games, no goals. Um, Then we also had, we've had an an Ivic, um, Ilyevic, who we'd signed from Olympiakos in the late '90s. scored loads of goals there. He scored naught in '19. We were relegated. I've already done in the villain. Uh, before the horrible Veldin Croatia, Croatia, one goal in 23, relegated. Our worst ever season in Serie B, our main strike, was Macias Floriancic from Slovenia, eight goals in 36. Um, And then going back to the late 80s, we had the Harris Skoro. I have never saw him play, uh, but he was involved in a relegation, a promotion, and then like the consolidation season, scoring nine in 55 as a striker. So yeah, not great. Those would be the recognised kind of centre forwards and then that would leave us with players we know a lot more about. So Adam Lajic, Marco Piazza, Nemanja Radonjic and Nikola Vlasic. Um, yeah, do you, would it be in the true traditions to have a really bad uh, wooden uh, falling timber Balkan centre forward with... A flair player, or are we just going to choose the two best players here? I think we're,
0: I think you've got to have the two best players because otherwise, I, I like the idea of just having some sort of target man because these players, the the two players that I would have picked, aren't definitely not target men. Um, but yeah, you can't you can't leave the other one out. So obviously, my picks are Adam uh Laj- Adam Lajic and Nikola Vlasic. You are uh, this team. is going to score many goals, is it? Uh yeah, and and just think it would have been worse if we'd let me have n uh, in it. Yeah, because this team is
1: um I mean, it's, wonder... not gonna, it's not gonna like keep many clean sheets and it's not gonna score many goals. It's gonna have no one in the centre of the pitch because everyone's gonna everyone's gonna be playing wide as well. Do you You've think got... um, do you think this team would stay up in Serie B? I think this team would Yeah, just I, I think this team would either do well. Who were co who were having? We could talk a bit more about the forwards and say, well, who do you have coaching this team, Juric or Mihailovic? I think if it's a back four, you've got to have uh, Mihailovic. Yeah, but I think if it's a <laughs> strong, okay, strong, that bit of chaos as well, you need Mihailovic. It is a bit of a chaos theory team. I think Juric would, I think Juric is a better coach. Um, but I think Mihailovic might do a better job with this round. Yeah, I, no, the I know. Uh, we could have had. It's a shame Mihailovic never played for Torino because Mihailovic in that defence would sort out a lot of problems. And
0: Juric Juric was a decent centre-fielder as well. So if you were going to have players who've played or coached uh, in the team, then Juric might be able to squeeze his way in the midfield.
1: But yeah, I mean, Adam Lajic actually was very good for Torino. I think was sold a bit early. And I think one of the more exciting Torino teams I've seen was the Iago Falco-Balotti light team you just felt we'd always we could always score a goal we could always yeah always always do something a little bit magical and he made us dangerous and free kicks for a while which very few people have Vlasic has he done enough I mean the, uh, the
0: I think you need to remember who his competition is in this team
1: yeah but I think he's I think he's getting an easy pass I just think you know if you had Sasa Bly- I mean, I can barely say his name because it offends me so much. But well, yeah, then you got Stefanovic and Brekalo. They got yeah, you know, they got they got a target man who, at least, will yeah, you know, jump, give the ball away. Can, can it's I the truest, truest can traditions I, of
0: it? Can I throw in a um a wild card? Go go for it. Uh, well, it's not wasn't born in the Balkans. But if he was born today, he would be born in the Balkans. Any guesses? Uh, no, go for it. So Ezio Loik was born in Fiume, which is modern-day Rijeka in Croatia.
1: That is very good knowledge, Robert. So Ezio Loik. Are we allowed? To We're absolutely allowed time? to bring in... I love this. This is... Uh... <laughs> But he's going to have to replace Nikola Vlasic. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I didn't but know. I, I didn't know. Could. bear in mind
0: that he's an Italian international. I wasn't sure what the what the rules would dictate. But yeah, I think if you, uh,
1: it's our it's our eleven. I'd, we've, I'd, got yeah. Yarni play, we've got Robert Iani. We've got Robert playing set left centre back. We can have Ezio Loic in there. Yeah, Fiume
0: and uh, Rieka is probably so, uh, 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 another he, political issue that we don't want to get into. Uh, but it's a
1: Balkan themed eleven. So yeah. Um, but do we have Vlasic in? for Brekolo or Stefanovic and play him as a winger? No, I I not I think. I, don't you, think, I, I think, think you've got a representation enough. of different eras. Yeah. Um, and I think Lazic may well become a very good Torino player, but I don't think... Yeah, I think the players in there, give or take, um, have all... Yeah, we don't have any current players in there now as well. So, apart from Vojvoda. So, um, so our ball confirmed 11 would be Vanya Malinkovic Savic in goal, Medjin Vojvoda at right back, um, is it Veldin, Veldin, Veldin music or Vedin music at left back, Nikola Maksimovic and Robert Yani as a pretty dangerous center back pairing. <laughs> Um, Alan Stefanovic stuck on the right wing, Josip Brekerlo on the left wing, with Sasa Lukic directing play alongside the Tigris Mijin Basha, and then Adam Ljic and Ezio Loic in attack, coached by Siniša Mihailovic.
0: I mean, we got there. I think now we've gone from might not might get relegated in Serie B to top half Serie. A. That's like, that's it, what Loic has done to this
1: team. Loic, Loic is done. Loic, you get Adam Lyot's firing. Josip Breckolo interested, and uh, yeah, you get the best five minutes out of Anna Stefanovic's career. There is there is potential for that team. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was we. I think we talked about a few players there who may have not made hero and villain categories. So um, all good fun. We might yeah we might look at a South American one or a, even a, like a Uruguayan or an Argentinian one in there. We've talked about doing a, a bold eleven bald 11 you know, yeah just yeah. so you can give me some stick for a bit but, uh, again i feel um, like
0: i feel like i need to apologize for that comparison again i just i just had him up on the computer and then just
1: saw your you face had me and... in front of you in the uh, yet in front yeah, of you. yeah exactly that you made I, you made a mental leap that you should you should never have made and you should and, apologize now
0: and, and uh, if it's any consolation if i had to pick one to place
1: into mm-hmm. back for Torino which it would be you, <laughs> oh, there you go. that's very kind of you um all right we've not we've not got long this pod is is going to date very badly. Um, and I think, yeah, Rob's editing skills will, will need to get this out pretty fast. So our plan, I think, is tomorrow evening is Fiorentina and the Coppa Italia. and Our plan is to do a little review of that and pre-Udinese game ahead of the weekend. So we're, we're not going to talk about Udinese. We're going to... And we've talked a lot about Fiorentina recently. We talked a lot about the, the Coppa Italia. Uh, but effectively, Torino... I've got a one game shootout in Florence uh, tomorrow, late afternoon, for a place in the semi finals against either Roma or Cremonese. Uh, it's a massive game. I think it's one of the biggest games in a few seasons. For me, a couple of reasons why it's the biggest game. I think if we got to the semi finals, it's a bit of a statement. Um, it's, I think it's good that this season we're kind of, if not even if we don't qualify for Europe, if we can tick off things. We won in Florence, we've beaten. Um, One of the big three in Milan. If we could win a derby, um, and if we get to at least the semi-finals of the cup, it's just it's kind of something something a bit more tangible. Um, The other thing reason I think it's a big deal is because the semi-finals won't be till April, and I think that extends our season quite a lot. It gives us, however well the league games go, it gives the players a lot uh, to look forward to. It gives it keeps the European dream alive. It keeps. Competition for places around. I, I, I just think it's it just makes the season a lot more exciting. and the fact that yeah, it's like a two month wait to the semi finals is actually yeah. It, 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 rather than it being in a few weeks' time, it's kind of makes it quite interesting. So yeah, massive game. I mean, Fiorentina will, despite our victory there recently, will probably start as marginal favourites with the home advantage. But yeah, how how are you feeling about it all?
0: Yeah, I think just one, one thing to maybe just bring up when this game was first announced obviously we beat Milan in the in the what would have been last last sixteen, the Juventus points penalty probably hadn't been hadn't been announced yet, so I think this was originally seen as our only chance of qualifying for Europe. Whereas just not not to sort of be too pessimistic beforehand, but I think also there is a chance that even if Juventus managed to get back up and, and finish in the top seven. UEFA might not allow them to to compete in Europe as well. So, this even if if we were to lose, which obviously I hope, but I'm hoping we won't do, there is still poss- a slight chance of the Conference League through through finishing in seventh, which is still like a uh, or, or what would be eighth if Juventus did overtake us. But I think, given the way Fiorentina played, I'm a little bit more optimistic. It would, I don't think we would have expected to have won both games. And if we were only going to pick one, we would have picked the cup. But given how Fiorentina played, I wasn't massively impressed with them. There's a little bit of talk about Amrabat going to Barcelona today, which I don't think are happy are, are willing to do. And yeah, don't really know where his mindset's going to be if he's been denied a move like that. That being said, he actually didn't play very well against us in the league. Um, so yeah, no, I think... I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about sort of our strength and depth in defence with Gigi and Zima out. Likely going to mean that we're going to have to play Bonjorno and Rodriguez, possibly the two slowest defenders in the league um, together. get wow, potentially for 120 them, right? minutes as well. So yeah, yeah. So I think again, Grevillon could even be on the bench if he signs. He's supposed to be in Italy in the, in the next couple of hours. So he probably could even find find a spot on the bench. Um, Illich, do you start him?
1: I believe he's not cup tied, is he? They don't have a cup tie in Italy. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. There's, there's a lot of strange rules about the Coppa Italia, so yeah, that that that's a potential thing. To, I would imagine. I don't think he would start. I think he'd probably go with Linetti as maybe the, the safer option. But again, it's a good option to have off the bench. And yeah, I'm. I've got a feeling they're gonna make us. Um, yeah, I've got a feeling it could go to extra time, the potential penalties, So I think we've got. It's it's not going to be a pretty a nice watch. But yeah, I mean. Like you say, if we could get into the semi-finals of the the Coppa Italia, whatever happens from there is is success. I think that's a, like even if we then finish sort of ninth, tenth, eleventh, like having a a decent cup run is something which we wanted for a number of seasons. I don't, I've never been Torino in a in a semi-final. I'm guessing you haven't either for a fair while. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's. It's one to one to really look forward to. It's it's almost a little bit of a shame that it's sort of hidden away on the what used to be Premier Sports because yeah, it's probably gonna limit the amount of people are going to watch well. it. And uh yeah, and five yeah, five, bit, days, five p so. five PM kickoff as well, yeah. And even more frustratingly, um Via Sports, which is the channel that you now carry the Coppa Italia used to be Premier Sports, have a free channel. Um and they've they're choosing to show the Crimination Roma game. Um promising thing with that is obviously from the semi-finals, they might show one of the games on sort of free free to air TV, so maybe more Torino fans are able to more Torino fans in the UK are able to watch it. But yeah, I'm going to go for cautiously optimistic that we'll win on penalties.
1: Yeah, I was I was sneaky feeling Josep Brekalo is going to do something from the penalty spot. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like you said, I think they've got a bit more strength and depth than us. They had a decent draw at Lazio at the weekend. I think it will be. It should be a different game to the league game. Urich's not has done pretty well in the last few games against Italiano. does seem to enjoy playing against Urich style of football. Um I think also it might be a slog fest have has got a feeling we might lose by um by a goal, maybe an extra time. Hope to be wrong. I really, really hope to be wrong. Um But we'll see. Uh, Let's hope we can make the semi-finals and uh, maybe Dennis Pryor will score the winner. There we go. On that note, Forza Toro. Forza Toro.